Hi, welcome to Around Town, where we seek to discover insights into places, events, topics, and issues that you want to know about in our great city. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld, with producer Chuck Luck. Today, we'll be talking with Dr. Eileen Johnson, the director of the Lubbock Lake Landmark. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're more than welcome. I think this should be fun. What is your connection to Lubbock? I've lived in Lubbock now for five decades, 50 years. It's my second home. Of course, I've worked at the university all that time, museum, Lubbock Lake Landmark, and I raised my family here. What was Lubbock like when you first moved here? It was different and yet the same. Didn't go too much beyond the loop. And I remember when I moved here, that was the big controversy. How is Lubbock ever going to grow beyond the loop? And it's like, my God, now there's a whole other city, but way beyond the loop. And now we're building a second loop. So there's been that kind of landscape population change. But I remember one of the biggest things when I first moved here, I still see it today, how friendly people are and how willing the community is to help those in need. Those two things have really stayed the same here. And if anything, they've grown I think that should be a great point of pride because not all cities are like that. Lubbock is a good place to raise your family. It's always been a good place to live for at least 12,000 years. How about that? (laughs) So that's my real connection here. I may not be 12,000 years old, although sometimes I feel like that. People have lived here for that long. They have thought that this was a good place to live. So there you have it. You raised a son in Lubbock. What was that like? In raising my son, I was a parent. I wasn't a professor at the university. I wasn't a quaternary research scientist. I wasn't anything but a mother. (laughs) And I still am today. (laughs) So for both of us, it was a good experience. He went to good schools, had really dedicated teachers. Broke my heart when he went to Texas (laughs) A&M. But he saw the light, came back to Texas Tech for his graduate work. It was a good experience. And, of course, he grew up in the museum and he grew up at the landmark. He's a diehard biologist. He never met an animal he didn't like. Every single critter out at the landmark, he knew them. He had a name for them, both scientific and just a pet name. It was a great place for a kid to be raised, to be able to go out and explore nature at will and be around people that had the same kinds of interests that could encourage his interests that he could question, but also could watch over him. Because I say at will, but he never was left by himself out in the back 40. He had that freedom to be outside and to be a kid exploring nature and the waterway and things like that. What was it about the landmark site that got you so interested in wanting to professionally work here? Lubbock Lake was discovered in 1936. It was viewed as an early Paleo-Indian, early people's locality, representing a time known as Folsom, ancient bison hunters. Even though very little work, other than the initial explorations had been done, it was well known among scientific circles. The person who I was doing my graduate work with, who was my mentor, one of many actually, he had been offered the job as the director of the museum at Texas Tech University. During his interviews, there had been a number of discussions with community leaders, one of whom was Bob Nash, 
about this property at the edge of town, and the community leaders wanted to know if anything could be done with it, meaning develop it in some way. On his last interview, after he he was offered the position and he took it, he came and he said he was leaving, wanted to know if I wanted to continue graduate school with him. He told me about the community leaders talking with him. He said, they have this property. It's called Lubbock Lake. Do you know anything about it? Do you think you can do anything with it? And I tell you, I about fell onto the floor. Here I was, a graduate student, not even yet uh, a PhD. I was being offered an incredible opportunity, what was considered one of the more important paleo-Indian sites in North America, and can I do something with it? Well, let me tell you, I'm still trying to do something with it. That started an incredible journey, a journey we're still on. That's what brought me here, and that's what's kept me here. Beginning that undertaking, I'm thinking about 1972. This was after the Lubbock tornado, where a lot of happenings were going on along the Canyon Lake system in that area as well. What was the activity that was happening and surrounding the things that you were starting to put together? The city was recovering from the tornado. The canyon was being used as a dumping ground for the tornado debris. We were looking at the best approach to the exploration of the landmark and who at large could help us with that. Even though there were very critical things and recovery efforts going on, there were people like Bob Nash, Alton Brazel, county commissioner, Arch Lamb, other county commissioner. They stepped up. They did so much for us those early years in getting us our camp set up, getting water to us, getting food to us. It was very much a group effort, and the community of Lubbock has always been part of that group, helping with the explorations, helping with establishing the landmark as a national landmark, and helping us get, well, they're not new anymore, but the new facilities in the 1990s, and even helping us become the preserve that we are today. It's been that kind of partnership between really academia, the landmark, the community, some of the community governmental agencies just coming together to make it happen and to see what I could do with the landmark. But it really is that community support. Without it, we wouldn't be here. It's just a real key piece. We are celebrating 50 years. Our first excavations were in 1973, but our first public programming was in 1973. They went hand in hand. I'm a firm believer in that kind of aspect of not only translating research to interpretation for the public, but in actually involving the public in all that we do. We take volunteers into the field as young as 15. I've had volunteers in their 80s from the community. 13-year-olds can work in the lab, and we now have a series of summer camps. So we start kids at five years old. They can go all the way into graduate work with us. To me, it's a very important aspect and an aspect that is not very common across the country. certainly wasn't when we were starting. A little more now, but even so, to have the extensive involvement that we do is unusual. To us, it's very important and it's paid off very, very well. We have those kinds of supporters. There were times when the landmark was threatened. We're on solid footing now as a preserve, and community leaders have stepped in 
when necessary to help us. And one of the things that we've seen with our programs is they're now generational. (laughs) Now we get the comment, is Dr. Johnson still here? (laughs) Yes, I am for a little while longer. (laughs) And we'll be right back with Dr. Johnson to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. We're speaking with Dr. Eileen Johnson, the director of the Lubbock Lake Landmark. Where did your passion for this work come from? The beginnings, the foundation actually stems from seventh grade. I had a seventh grade teacher. Basically, it was earth sciences. He talked about volcanology and geology and even biology and a lot of the different ologies. He was trying to instill in us how interconnected everything was. By viewing things in that kind of interconnection, you had a much broader understanding of what was happening either today or in past times. I really took that to heart. I do believe that was the foundation of the interdisciplinary perspective that I have and have had since then. I decided then that I was going to be a scientist. I was going to go to college. I was going to go on for a PhD, and I was going to do some of these things. I was fortunate to have some really good counselors in high school. They helped me get into college. I went to UC Berkeley. That opened up a bigger panorama of interconnectedness that was possible. It was certainly then that I began to appreciate some of the sciences that I concentrate on today, such as paleoecology, paleobiology, paleontology, sediment, soils. I can be dealing with animal remains one day and rocks and sediments the next day and looking at seeds the following day to try and determine what plants and native trees we had here 10,000 years ago. It all is part of the environment, the ecosystem, the landscape at a particular time. When I came to Lubbock and began to work at the Lubbock Lake Landmark, I brought that perspective, but the landmark also solidified that interdisciplinary perspective because of the kinds of records that we have there. And it is those detailed records Plants, animals, water, climate, sediments, soils, you name it, we got it. (laughs) For example, we have one of the most complete records of animal life, all animal life, not just the big guys, the mammoths, the camels, which get all the publicity, right? But we have all of the little animals as well, the water snakes, the turtles, the mice. We have one of the most complete records going in all of the Americas right here in Lubbock. This is one of the reasons why we are a National Historic Landmark. We've been recognized as a locality that is nationally important. It's these records that we have that are preserved in all of our sediments and soils. Beginning to understand that, there was no other way to approach the research at the landmark but in an interdisciplinary framework. 
because that was the way to be able to interpret the fuller picture. It wasn't just a series of silos or just focusing on one aspect or one time period. And that was the other thing. Again, when I first came, the landmark was known as a Folsom locality, which it is, but it is so much more than that. People were here 10,000 years ago, Folsom people hunting bison. Well, we know today, yes, but they were here 12, 15,000 years. Various people throughout all these millennia, living, hunting, gathering. The real significance there is that it is all of these things, all of these cultures, rather than a single culture. That's very rare in the record in North America. Another reason we're a national landmark. The landmark now is over 130 acres in extent. When I first came, it was 30 acres. That's what they thought it was. When it was first discovered, they thought it was only five acres. It's actually bigger, more extensive than 130 acres, but those are the boundaries that the federal government set. But in the work that we've done over the decades, not just at the landmark, but throughout the region, we can trace the stratigraphy and the record all the way through the canyon down to MLK Boulevard. It just shows you how extensive and intensively occupied this region was for 12,000 years. There were a few times when I thought, maybe I've done what I can here. Almost the next day, something else happens, something I didn't expect, and it's, okay, now we're on a different trajectory. I'm a quaternary research scientist, so I work in the last 2.6 million years. For me, that's all fair game. Part of our regional research program, we have a locality down in the Snyder area that's around 2.5, 2.6 million years old. You can count the number of localities in that age in this country on one hand. So that's a very important locality. We have expanded our interdisciplinary framework to look at the whole 2.6 million years in this region, but it all comes back to the landmark. For 10, 15 years, I had an international research program in Mexico and Argentina, the grasslands of the Americas. And I was up north in the Wisconsin prairie. So I was looking at localities from the Wisconsin prairies all the way down to the pampas of Argentina. There's a lot of interconnectedness there, too. And all that work, though, was, again, to place the landmark, its records, into this bigger picture. One of the times I was down in Argentina, in one of the research labs, walking through on the desk was this artifact. I stopped and I asked the person, where's that from? It had been excavated from one of the forts out on the frontier of Argentina. The reason it stopped me in my tracks was it was a ginger beer bottle. It had a maker's mark, and it was from Glasgow, Scotland. We have a ginger beer bottle from the Singer store at the Landmark, made in Glasgow, Scotland at the same factory, the same time. Ginger beer bottles were coming into the Lubbock area. They were coming down into Argentina on the Pampas. Cowboys were drinking them here. Vaqueros were drinking it down there. To me, that was, wow, this tells you so much more than what a single artifact can tell you. Some of our late Pleistocene, now extinct animals, our giant pampathir comes from South America, from Argentina. The short-faced bear, that came out of South America. 
We send them camels and horses. They're sending us pampatheres and bears. So there's a lot of interchange going on with the animals. And then, of course, you get closer in time when you start dealing with people. There's a lot of interchange between the Southwest and Mexico and this area that has gone on for millennia. Obviously, I can get really excited about that because, again, it's that interdisciplinary aspect that we can look at. And we're not just looking at one particular time or even just one particular discipline. The disciplines are related and the sediments out here have influenced what gets preserved. The climate has influenced what kinds of sediments have been deposited, what kinds of life ways people can have. It influences the ecosystem and people are part of that ecosystem and they are dependent on that ecosystem for resources in order to live, water, plants, animals. And then you get into the geosystem. People are dependent on that and they need rock sources to make stone tools, clay sources later on in time to make pottery, that sort of thing. I think that bringing in kids at a really young age to get them thinking about that, to be excited about it, I think it's easier because they see things differently than adults. And I think they see more of that connectedness. And somewhere along the way, we kind of lose that. Science can be fun. It is serious business, but it's also fun. It's always good to have some fun every day while you're still doing some serious business. And we'll be right back with Dr. Johnson to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. Our guest today is Dr. Eileen Johnson, the director of the Lubbock Lake Landmark. What have been some of the benefits from having these types of community-oriented programs? You've been executing these now since the beginning, 50 years. Where do you see the benefits to the program from having this kind of involvement? I think of the fact that you could just as easily say, this is a precious resource and I don't want outsiders here. I think there's lots of benefits. One is, you know, there's been some really great people that have come through. They've come to learn. They've come to share. They've come for the experience. We also have had people that may have volunteered in the 70s. Their children have volunteered 20 years later, or now we're getting into grandchildren. (laughs) They've established a family tradition. That kind of aspect then creates the landmark as a special place for those families. Academically, we've had people that have started in our summer youth programs, and they've gone all the way to PhDs and gone around the world. I have colleagues in Costa Rica, Mexico City, Argentina that came through our volunteer program. It really is great to see that kind of payoff to have so many people involved in both aspects, the public aspects, the academic research aspect. We've had others who are just starting their career paths. I know that they're going to have successful careers and they're going to take what they've learned here and the approach and they'll have their own spin, but they understand the importance of involving the public and translating research to the public. We don't work in secrecy or isolation. That does not serve us well. What serves us well is to involve the public. And I think the landmark is such a testament to that because there were threats 
to the preservation of the landmark. And if it wasn't for the community support that we had, the landmark just wouldn't exist today. Everything, it's like a giant puzzle with all the pieces moving around all the time. Our job is to decipher as much as we can, but we're never going to see the entire picture. We're never going to have all the puzzle pieces. But the broader our perspective and the more we see interconnections, the more pieces of the puzzle we're going to be able to see and decipher. I'd like to ask you to reflect on your professional career and journey the contributions you've made to multiple fields as an interdisciplinary researcher, the lineages of researchers that have come under your supervision and gone on to contribute to the fields of research as well. How do you think about these things as you reflect on your career? That was my job. I mean, I wanted to do it, of course, but isn't that what professors do? Isn't that what we in academia are supposed to do? And it's like, why should I receive or feel I should be praised for doing what I'm supposed to do. I enjoy that. I enjoy having the students. I enjoy the interchange, the collaboration. It fuels the research engine. That's very important. It's very, very satisfying for when you make a real strong connection. You don't always have real strong connections with all of your students. You have some, a connection, but When you're really talking the same language, I've had a few that are like that. It is a big payoff. Those are the ones that you have collaborations with beyond them being your graduate student. Once they've left, having those long-term collaborations, that's very fruitful. Again, increasing the broad perspective of things opens up new opportunities. They're out in their university They're having different experiences than from when they were with me. But now we're coming back together because there's these new opportunities that just strengthens the relationship. But it also enhances the reputation of the landmark and the research and the programs that we have because there is that kind of lineage going on. I know that I have done that myself, certainly early on, when I would say, well, my major professor was so-and-so. That was a name that people knew that kind of gave me some credibility when I was this young girl starting out. I see some of that going on now. I was in the field with Dr. Johnson, or you know, I did my master's with Dr. Johnson, or I did my PhD sort of thing. So there is that continuing lineage, legacy. The person I did my PhD with has passed, but that was Dr. Craig Black, director of the museum here in the early 70s. His legacy passed to me, and I'm passing it on to all these others. And so it's just a continuation through the generations, something that started decades ago. That's great, but it does all come back again to the landmark and what we've been able to accomplish and what we've done in terms of providing opportunities and folding in researchers, public, young children, adults, and older adults. And, you know, 50 years celebrating this, our celebration, again, I would like to get back. It's a celebration of the landmark. It's a celebration of the 50 years of field research that we've been conducting 
and it's a, a celebration of 50 years of educational programming because they go hand in hand. And we really couldn't do what we've done at the Landmark without the community support, without volunteer support. And so I get back to, yes, I was asked by Dr. Black, what could I do with the Landmark? And yes, I've done some things with the Landmark, but there's still so much more to do. And I know I've been asked, are you ever going to retire? There's still so much more to do at and with the landmark and all the opportunities that surround it, surround us in the region, surround us in the Americas. That's what I look for. I'm not looking for retirement. I'm looking for what's their next opportunities for the landmark and increasing our knowledge there. The landmark's 130 acres in extent. We've looked at 5 6%. Most of it's in the bank preserved. There's so much more that can be done with the landmark. I may not be around for the next 50-year celebration, but we'll see. But right now, 50 years is a good marker. It's been an excellent partnership with the community of Lubbock. Dr. Johnson, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks so much for coming on. You're more than welcome. Thanks for listening to Around Town. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld. This show was produced by Chuck Luck. Our guest today was Dr. Eileen Johnson, the director of the Lubbock Lake Landmark. Join us next Friday morning at 9 a.m. on 89.1. For more information on Around Town or to listen to previous episodes, visit ttupublicmedia.org.